Praise God. Thank you. Hey, let's give it up for Highlight Worship. They did phenomenal today. You ever opened your Bible and had strawberry oatmeal oats stuck on a page? Sorry. Um, well, it is the bread of life. I mean, it's, it's spiritual food. Hey, um, I got you, Sam. Um, hey, welcome to Highlight Church. Hey, let's give it up for our first-time guest. Um, we're so grateful for you. We're in a series entitled Perennial Architects. Um, we're learning about how to build our lives on things that will stand the test of time. And so week one, we talked about his word and how Jesus is the word of God. And so um, he, the people were so moved when he taught um, simply because he didn't teach them like a seminary professor. Right. He spoke to their lives. And, um, and so um, I, people often ask me, you know, like when you first gave your heart to Christ, because I always tell people, you know, the first two or three years of my salvation, I was up in my Bible from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. You know, I take care of my pre-med stuff because I was pre-med in undergrad. And then I'm just, man, I just want to get into the word. I mean, I just gave my life. I gave my soul to this guy. I need to figure out who he is. Never give your soul to somebody and not, not know who that person is. And so I just wanted to get to know him. And uh, ultimately, I told this individual, I said, you know what? I don't think it was as much uh, of me wanting to read the Bible. It, it came to the point where um, I was reading because of who I wanted to become. So Jesus is what you call the Logos. He is the ultimate reality behind everything. And the reason why he, he was so powerful amongst people was because he spoke directly to their lives. And so um, we said the word, and then last week, we said we want to build, um, we want to build our lives on the priority, and Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God, and live righteously, righteously, and then everything you need shall be added unto you. How many people got great needs in the room? I guess I'm the only one. I got Bobby. We all have great needs in the room, and it's amazing that Jesus gave us the answer. He said, you have a need. This is the solution. You will get what you need. But between what you need and getting what you need, there is your responsibility. And the priority is this, is when you lift your hand and when you pray the prayer of salvation to receive Christ in your heart, you do understand that you've now become an ambassador of the good news of Jesus Christ. So making sure that God comes first and God is the center of your life and that people know you Monday through Friday on your eight to five. You're raising your children up in the admonition of the Lord. And he says, if you do these things and if you would live by faith, everything you will ever need is added unto you. And so this week, uh, we're going to talk about the trust factor. We want to build our lives on trust. Trusting the Lord. Um, I just did a, a wedding ceremony not too long ago, and if you were there, if you saw any of the pictures, you may have seen me with shades on, officiating a wedding, and Lord knows I didn't want to be that guy, because, um, you know, that guy meaning, like, who does he think he is? He's trying to be hip and cool, officiating with shades on. I'm not that dude. I don't do things for vain glory. <laughs> I'm not a trendsetter. Um, there is a reason. Uh, earlier that week, my baby boy gouged my eye out. Uh, same eye, the third time in my life. Um, scratched my cornea. And so it's interesting because uh, the, the ophthalmologist said that the scratch was in the shape of Florida. And if you know me, um, that's where I'm from, from Florida. So maybe we should be back there, but um, we're here in Maryland. Um, so, yeah, I did the wedding. I wore a contact bandage so that I could blink. Because whenever you get a scratched cornea, when you blink, it hurts. People say tooth pain is painful. Scratch cornea sucks. Got a contact bandage. I wore the shades to protect my eyes from uh, the light. And uh, so we went back Friday morning, and my doctor, he says, I need you to remove that contact bandage because it's preventing you from healing. 
I said, Doc, I got a message to prepare for last Sunday. And he said, I need you to remove that bandage. And so I said, okay. I removed it. And if you were here last week, I told the story about how I'm preparing for my message last Saturday. It's watery and it's hurting. And I'm, I got my, my cloth here and I'm looking through my Bible. He says, I promise you it's going to be healed by Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm preparing and it's noon on Saturday and it's 1 p.m. and it's 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to wear shades tomorrow and I'm going to have to have a little towel, a little patch or something there. And at 3 p.m., God is my witness. My mom was sitting at the table. My nephew was there. Judah was running all over the place. The pain stopped. The pain stopped. It went completely away. And it made me think about when I was in the, the room with the doctor the day before, how I didn't trust him. I didn't trust his instruction. I figured as though I had the answer. Um, I figured as though I, I, I knew what I needed because I had been through this before. Once in high school, got it poked out. My oldest son poked it out two years ago playing basketball, and then my baby boy. And would you, my, my oldest son had, to ner had, had the nerve to say, hey, do you and mommy plan to have any more kids? Because that means your eye is going to be poked out again for a third time. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, you got a point, negative. We may not, we may not. I want one, she doesn't, but we'll see. That's a different discussion. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't trust him, but he was right. It was healed on Saturday and I was fine. Last week, I maybe had a little bit of an attitude. I'm sorry about last week. A lot of you said it was my best message yet, but um, We'll, we'll see if I can follow it up. So we want to talk about the trust factor today. God knows you better than you. And there's no beginning or ending to God. So there's a reason why he calls us to trust him. Today we're going to talk about Abraham. Abraham's name was Abram. God called him when he was 75 years old. And um, he told him in Genesis 12, reference 1 through 4, he said, I'm going to bless you, going to multiply you, and you will be a blessing to all of the nations upon the earth. And he said, go, and then I'll show. You want to know the essence of faith? It's go, and then I'll show. Oftentimes, we want God to show us first. Just want to let you know right now, God is not going to show you first. God has called you to go, and then you show. If he shows us, it doesn't require trust. And so I love verse 4 because it says Abraham obeyed. Out of all the blessings he mentions in verses 1 through 3 of Genesis 12, verse 4 is my favorite because it says Abraham obeyed and he went. And so now we get to read about the life of Abraham for like the next 14 chapters in Genesis. Read his life, Genesis 12, till, till about Genesis 26. And so... Um, God had promised him, I'm going to multiply you. It's been about 13 years, and he hasn't had his child yet. So he gets antsy. He becomes uh, impatient. And his wife, Sarai, who later God is going to change her name to Sarah, says, hey, you need to go ahead and have your child with this our slave servant, Hagar. And so he sleeps with Hagar. They conceive Ishmael. Um, and it's been halfway through. And so they have a child. Abraham takes a lot of delight in Ishmael. He loves him to death. 25 years. At 100 years old, Sarai finally conceives Isaac. The promise of God. God said that Isaac is going to be the promise, uh, the, the conduit by which the promise flows through. Jesus came through Isaac, not Ishmael. And so would you know it, the Bible says that as he was weaning off of, of Sarah, Ishmael was picking on his baby brother. And so Sarai says, that chick got to go. Her and her son needs to go. And so Abraham, he's, oh, my God, what it, why, why, why? Abraham, God says, listen, your wife said she needs to go. She needs to go. And so they send Ishmael out. 
And God says, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to multiply him. But the promise is through Isaac. And so we get the Ishmaelites. This is where we believe the, the, the Muslim faith comes from. I don't have time to dig that out. But at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. Jesus came from the Father. You're going to see a lot of typologies between Isaac, Abraham, God, and Jesus. Ishmael never knew his father. This is why some religions think it's just by God's mercy in your good works that you can be saved. But God provided a son, a son through Isaac, and you're going to see where he's going to consider, God's going to consider Abraham's only son, Isaac, okay, in a few minutes. So 25 years, he's prayed, and the promise is here. Could you imagine praying for 25 years? for healing, or breakthrough, or a job, or a spouse, a financial breakthrough. Could you imagine praying for 25 years, and eventually you get it? You get it. So join me in Genesis 22, verse 1. It says this here, sometime later, God tested, catch this, God tested Abraham's faith. So Isaac's here. The promise is here. He tested his faith. He says this here. Abraham, God called. I love it. The old man is still responding the way he did when he was a young man. Yes, he replied, here I am. Are you still responding to God? Here I am. Or when God calls you, do you say, I'll pick that up later. Leave a message. The old man is still responding the way he did when he was 75 years old. And it says here, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Here he is again. You see, God, which I will show you. So I need you to do what I've told you to do because I'm about to show you something. And when we don't allow God to take us places, he can't show us what he has for us. It's a trust thing. It's a trust thing. And so the first thing God's going to do, he's going to test our points of arrival. He's going to test your point of arrival. I need you to lean in today. You guys are doing pretty good listening. I feel that we're on the same team this morning. I usually feel kind of lonely up here, but we're on the same team this morning. He tests our points of arrival. 25 years, he waits on the blessing of God. Um, It's here. It's here. The blessing, the legacy, the bloodline, it's here. And guess what? Isaac at this point in Genesis 22 is about 11 or 12 years old, historians believe. And for 11 to 12 years, guess what Abraham has done? Absolutely nothing. Because he's arrived. He's arrived, right? He's arrived to a place of comfort. God has been faithful. He's answered his prayer. His money looks good. His network is good. His clout is good. His home is in order. The blessing is there. And for 12 years, the man of faith, one of Abraham's nicknames is the father of our faith because that's who Jesus came through. He's the the reason why we're sitting in this room today. 6,000 years ago, a man's faith is the reason why we congregate today. And for 12 years, a man of faith absolutely does nothing. And so Genesis 22 verse 1 says, God tested Abraham. I just want to to make you aware of something, and and if you've lived any amount of time, you know this to be true. God will, in fact, begin to test you in the areas that he has blessed you the greatest. He will, in fact. It's when your money starts looking right that that test comes. It's when your relationship is getting, catching that good, that right momentum. That, that, that argument happens. It's when everyone in your family seems to be well. 
someone has contracted cancer. I'm not saying that God gives you cancer. I'm not saying that God takes your money. I'm not saying that God causes the arguments. But what I am saying is that he uses those circumstances to test your faith and to get you out of your, your comfort zone. Because what an arrival point will do, what an arrival point will do is it will cause you to become comfort, comforted, and it, it will cause you to become passive. And, and you ever notice how when you pray for something and you get that something, you don't pray the way that you used to pray for that something? God misses you. Yeah, you ever recognize how you, you read your Bible and you're looking for answers and you're looking for wisdom and, and, and that answer comes and you don't read your Bible the way that you used to read your Bible? And so God is saying, Isaac, your one and only son. Sounds kind of familiar. John 3.16, we'll quote that later. Your one and only son, I need you to sacrifice him. Because he's seeing if your heart is devoted to the blessing or the blesser, the promise or the promiser, the gift or the giver. Because he understands that all these things that we pray for and that he, and that he gives us, if we put our heart's devotion our mind's devotion, I'm sorry, and our heart's affection, which is really worship. This is an expression of worship. Music is secondary worship. A life unto God, a heart devoted to the one who created you, the one who died for you, is primary worship. And whenever we allow things to get in the way of the one who created them, we've become unhealthy in our souls. So God loves the man of faith. He loves the father of our faith. I thank God for Abraham, but I also thank God he is an example unto my faith. And that when I get too comfortable, I need to start asking, Lord, when is the next test coming? <sighs> A big blessing in this season can become the hugest barrier to blessing in the next. Because success is often a paralytic agent of growth. So please manage your success. Manage your growth. Manage your marriage. Manage your singleness. Don't, don't give God... I've been pure for a year, Lord. I'm waiting on my spouse. Don't fall. Manage your purity. We've been married for three years, four years, 10 years, 20, and just stop loving her and stop dating him and stop serving each other. Re-up. Because God is still in the middle of it. Re-up. Re-up. I remember... Um, you know, before we moved, uh, Kyra and I, we, um, we were making a certain amount of money that moving here wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> the, 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 the pay in Florida versus the pay in here and the cost of living is totally different. And um, uh, Kyra applied for one job. They offered her the same amount up here that we were making in Florida because the goal was to have me fully focus on the church and our people and vision and growing the church and her to, to be our primary breadwinner. And for, for nine months, she was bringing in 100% of our income. And so um, second job offer, a little bit more. Third job offer, right on the spot, what we needed to move and to sustain a family of four. Um, but every time we're blessed with increase, we have to ask ourselves, what is God calling us to sacrifice? If I've blessed you with more money, is your tithe going to remain at the level that you used to get paid? Or will it elevate at the new level of blessing? There's no way that you can tithe. You used to make $1,000. 
every two weeks. Now you make 3000 every two weeks. There's no way that you can call it honoring God still tithing at 100 bucks when he's blessed you with more. Your tithe should be principal at $300 every other week. That's how it works. And so there should come a challenge when you're blessed. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So he will test your point of arrival because he's testing the trust factor in your heart. Testing our trust and putting him first. Genesis 22, 3 through 8. It says this. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He settled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, take a note of that, Abraham looked up and saw the place from a distance. He said this, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. This is a foreshadowing of Christ. So Isaac is the sacrifice, right? Christ, much like Isaac, carried his cross to Skull Hill, the hill of Golgotha. We know that this is not Abraham's only son, but God says it is because he's who the promise of Jesus is going to come through. And so John 3.16 says that for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. So he said, now take your only son, the one that you love, and he put the wood on Isaac's back. And Isaac is going just like Jesus to be sacrificed. Okay? So you see a, a typology here. And he says this here. Um, so Abraham placed it on his shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Carried the fire. Wow. Never caught that. That's interesting. I have to preach that one day. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? You the sheep. You the sheep. <laughs> like with the scary eyes. <laughs> then he goes on and he says this. God will provide a sheep. He didn't say it like that. <laughs> He's probably in agony right now. God will provide a sheep. <laughs> Verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. <laughs> Sam, get it together. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. It says this, point number two is this. I want to encourage you to trust even when it doesn't make sense. Trust even when it doesn't make sense. I was out at breakfast um, about a about a year before we moved to Gaithersburg, and uh, about halfway through, because I was scared to tell my dad uh, that we were moving, um, he knew it was coming. He just, he didn't really want to believe it. So I said, Dad, um, we're moving to Gaithersburg, Maryland. God has called us to start, <coughs> to start this church. We're moving to Gaithersburg. And he said, G Gaithers who? <laughs> G who? Run that back by me. I've never heard of a Gaithersburg. I said, yeah, we're, we're moving that way, and, and I get it. It doesn't make sense. The, the, the living expenses here are $40,000 more a year than, than Orlando, and uh, during Christmas time, it's going to be low 20s and not low 70s, um, and we don't know a soul. I know it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but God is, God is calling us here. It doesn't add up, but he's calling us here. And a Abraham is here. He's about to sacrifice his son, his only son, who he loves so much. It doesn't make sense, but he trusts. Catch this. I'm, I'm back in the word. It doesn't make sense, but he trusts. His heart rate is high, but he trusts. His emotions are all over the place, but he trusts in the, in the word of the Lord. It doesn't add up, but he trusts. It doesn't all line up the way that he thought it would. He, he, he didn't think that God would give him a promise and then say, hey, sacrifice that very promise. You're going to lose this blessing today by your hand. It doesn't all add up, but he trusts. And he says in verse 8, 
God shall provide a sacrifice. Now, does he really believe that? Does he really believe that? I believe that this shows us something about the human experience between us and God, or actually whoever or whatever you believe in, the higher power that exists. Me, I choose to believe in Jesus. But I believe this, this shows us something about the human experience in life and when it comes to tough times and when things don't make sense. I believe that in the deepest depths of our existence, of our souls, we believe in the goodness of God. And that's what you call faith. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So even when it's bleak and it doesn't look good and it doesn't look well, there's something that God has given us that's in us that has the capacity to believe that the best outcome is actually on the way and not the worst. And that's what you call faith. So... Right now, Abraham, though he may not fully believe what he's saying, his heart is fully connected with heaven. It's okay to say it, even when it doesn't look like it's possible. Book of Proverbs says this, says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So if Satan can get you to not say it, he can stop God from manifesting it in your life. Because it says this here, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those that enjoy the fruit shall eat thereof. So what you say, what you speak, what you declare, it shall be. This... Does, so do you, want, do you want the impossible in your life? Do you want to see God do miracles? Does it always make sense? Well, say what you believe. Don't become silent based upon the circumstance. Say the goodness, the miracle that you believe the promiser will do and accomplish in your life. I just, I, I just really want to encourage you there. A lot of us are not speaking what God has put in our hearts to speak, and he needs you to declare it. That's a lot of the reason why things aren't happening the way you want them to happen. It's because you've allowed Satan to silence you. You need to speak faith. You need to speak expectation. You need to speak power. You need to speak it into existence. You, need to, you have that power in your tongue. And at times, it won't make sense. Illness, finances, family struggles, on the job, you lose a loved one, it won't make sense. That's because trust can't only work when it's all lined up. It, it, it doesn't function when it's lined up. I remember uh, the, the day before we were going to start the church um, last year. It was October 15th. And uh, I get a phone call, and Chris says that we are locked out of our U-Haul. I'm like, okay, get in. <laughs> he says, we can't. Been calling everybody. We've called central headquarters, U-Haul. We've, we've called the location. We've called regional. And we continue to get a secretary on the phone, an administrator. I say, okay, get in. <laughs> and so we show up, and it's freezing outside. And we cannot get in our U-Haul. We're about to start a brand new church. We've been praying about it. We've moved, telling family, everything. Everyone's coming, inviting the city. We've, we went from nine people to about 25 volunteers, and it's a lot of excitement behind it. And um, we can't get into our U-Haul, and they tell us that, and it won't be open until 9 a.m. on Sunday. Our worship experience is at 10. And so we had already planned to just have chairs, no pipe and drape, minimal stuff in the kids' department, no refresh for our first service. We got to give people coffee and donuts. I mean, come on. No refresh station, no tent. We're just going to set it up, put up the sound and the TVs, and we're going to go. This is our story, whatever. And so there's something welled up on the inside of me, and it, it just didn't line up. It didn't make sense. 
Stick with me. This is how Jesus preached, okay? I'm not, you guys know me. I don't be back here, thus saith the Lord, O God Almighty. And you're like, what in the world did I just learn? I'm never coming back. Look, you got situations like this in your life, okay? So, we, I prayed. And I said, God, this doesn't make sense, but do something. Like, I, I said specifically, I said, dispatch an angel. And then I, get, I got real deep with God. I said, dispatch an angel in Jesus' name. And I don't know if it was me or if it was heaven or what, but God is my witness, dude. I saw a light, and not with my, but in my mind. I saw a light dispatched from heaven. It just, it, it's... Because, you know, I honestly believe that there are angels in heaven in the unemployment line. That's, that's good, ain't it? Because we don't pray. Can I get an amen? We don't pray for nothing. Just, Lord, bless our food in Jesus' name. God's like, that's easy. That's why it's on your plate. I already blessed it. Can you, can you pray for a missionary team? Can you pray for... For, for double the income at our church next year. We raised 100000 We're going a quarter million next year. We're going a quarter million. We got more people to serve, more lives to change. Can we pray something? And I, I, I pray in my spirit, I just saw a light dispatched from heaven. And so I get a phone call. We, we get a phone call from my wife. My wife, y'all. And she was like, give the phone to Chris. Gave the phone to Chris. She was on the phone with this man. This this is going to blow your mind. Watch watch God. Watch God. Watch God and watch your life. This is going to blow your mind. She said, um, give the phone to Chris. Okay, gave the phone to Chris. He's And we just run. We explode. And ah, ah, the door opens. And, ah, ah, and so they're looking at us on the camera like, them fools. Is that a church? They're crazy. <laughs> And so we got in, we're, it's, it's quite crazy, and, and, and I get the phone, and she's crying, and Kyra's crying, and, 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 and Megan's crying, and all the ladies are crying, and, 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 and the story goes this, y'all, the story goes this, it's going to blow your mind. Because if I gave you the backdrop of how we moved here, Genesis 26, Isaac. So she was like, babe, you wouldn't believe it, I don't know how we got on the phone with this guy. But um, he said, okay, I see that you're having an issue getting in. He said, tell the gentleman that's at the U-Haul to put in this coat and to swipe his card. The door is going to open. We did that. We got in. She said, babe, do you want to know his name? She said his name was Isaac. She said, I don't know how we got on the phone with this guy. I just know back in 2012, God put a church on my heart. And, and he just, I don't know if it was the angel, because they say, Paul says in the New Testament, we entertain angels unaware. So it's so important how you treat people. And one thing that kills me about our society and our generation, we will walk right past one another without saying hello. Not even understanding that could be someone that God has sent in your life. All you need to do is say a simple hello. So the Bible says we entertain angels unaware. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. I prayed. I said dispatch. I saw a light. About an hour later, Kyra's on the phone with someone named Isaac. And if you know our story about how we moved from, from where we live to here, it, we, we, we were led to Rehoboth, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. In Genesis 26, Isaac is trying to settle. There are no wells because all of Abraham's enemies have patched up the wells. He finally finds a well, which represents wealth and freedom and land and prosperity, and he names that place Rehoboth. And so I thought we were going to plant in Delaware. The, 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 the word Rehoboth means the vast expanse where you shall flourish. So I said, it's not Delaware because I want a very uh, diverse church. Delaware is too black and white, okay? So we went 30 minutes west to Maryland, 30 minutes north to Pennsylvania, 30 minutes east to New Jersey. We landed here in Maryland. And we run into an issue pre-launch, and Isaac picks up the phone. Because we chose to trust God when it didn't make sense. 
And if it doesn't make sense, keep trusting God. And let me put something else on you. Don't put an expiration date on your trust. God does not operate according to your timeline. Thank God. Thank God. But we can be guided by something greater than our expiration dates, greater than our expectations, and that's faith. That's trust. And I want to encourage you to start writing down your prayers. Start believing in what you're praying for. A lot of you are carrying generational debt. A lot of you are carrying generational pains and and hurts and addiction. You need to start putting that stuff on paper. And when it gets bleak in your process, trust God. A lot of you young ladies in here, you've given up the idea that God can send you a husband. Put your trust in God. Serve God. Give unto God and watch him move in your life. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. It says here, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 18, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac, not according to what he saw, as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Look, whenever God asks you to give up something, it's not because he's taking it away. He may be taking it away, but it's not because he's taking it away as much as he's preparing to put something greater into your hands. So Abraham was sacrificing Isaac based upon his trust. And he had the faith to believe that even if I kill Isaac, had I read the next verse in Hebrews, that God had the power to raise him up from the dead because you promised me this. You promised me this. And you're a loving father, and I know it. And it didn't make sense for us to move here. But 70 salvations later makes sense. The family's touch makes sense. It makes sense. And God has fulfilled his promise. Build your life on trust. Because what you're doing is you're, 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 you're grounding yourself on a foundation that's going to be blessings in your life long term. Genesis 22, 9 through 14, then I'm going to get us out of here. It says this, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. <clears throat> he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. They tied Jesus up and they put nails through his hands and his feet. It says this here, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Back then, you didn't just, you know, put him on the altar. You had to kill the sacrifice. Heaven would send fire down to consume the sacrifice. So he picked up the knife to kill him as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know. I need you to highlight that, underline that, circle that, and star that. I've given the litmus test, and I've discovered what I was looking for, the trust factor. A factor is a substance that makes all the difference in the end. And God has found what he's looking for. He says, now I know. And he says this, that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. This ram is a typology. See, now Isaac has become us, and this ram has become Jesus. Jesus was truly caught in the thicket on the cross for your sins and my sins. And he goes on and he says this here. 
Abraham place, uh, it says Yahweh Yaira, Jehovah Jaira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And it's so amazing that historically, now, the mountain that Abraham was sacrificing Isaac on was, in fact, Skull Hill, the mountain that Jesus was crucified on. The Lord provided a way out of our sin, of our oppression, of our addictions, of our struggles. He's provided a way out so that you and I could have a perfect relationship with the Father. And this is my last point here. Taking action releases God's provision. Taking action releases God's provision. Isaac represents everything. Abraham's legacy, his bloodline, and his wealth. And he sacrifices. He's willing to sacrifice him on the altar. I remember um, Christmas of 2015. Um, I told Jaziel, if you do well, the first half of the year, when we get to the Christmas break, I'm going to get you an Xbox One for Christmas. Then, as you would know, someone called the Xbox One police. Kyra was against it the whole time. And she was willing to slap the cuffs on me. He did well because he knew his mom's stance. He didn't ask for the Xbox One. He said, Dad, just give me uh, games for my tablet. You know, it's okay. Just give me games for my tablet. And I, my babe, that's so mean. Let's get the boy an Xbox One. He's doing great. And he did so well. He was bringing home good marks and great behavior, great grades, doing so good. And I finally convinced her to buy it. And on Christmas Eve, because some Spanish folk do it. Look, listen. Get, get in there, right? I'm going. I'm going. I'm coming right through your alley. I don't understand how and why the devil has allowed y'all to open presents on Christmas Eve. I'm going to need y'all to wake up the next morning, put on some eggs and grits and bacon, and let's get to it. All right, can I get an amen for that? I'm almost done. I'm trying to, uh, I couldn't really bring this message how I wanted to, so I got it, and he opened this thing, and it was his Xbox One, and he could not believe it. Taking action releases God's provision. The thing is, is this, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And as Jaziel was taking action for the first two uh, we call them quins, or nine weeks. I had already prepared my reaction. As he trusted, through walking it out in obedience, I was already prepared to give him above and beyond what he could not get himself. And the same thing with God and trust in every single area and detail of your life. God has already prepared a reaction, but this is the key. I don't want you to miss this in the scripture. The key is, is that Abraham was in the process of taking the action. It's only when Abraham raised that knife and he was in the process of taking Isaac out did God show up. When he was in the process of killing his son, God said, stop. When you're in the process of prayer daily, when you're in the process of reading your scripture daily, when you're in the process of walking out the word of God in your life daily, it's, it's in those moments where the provision is already there. It's in the action. When you're, in the, when you're taking action, and for my superheroes, you're waking up 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Some of you, every Sunday morning, you're here, you're setting up, you stay until 2 p.m., tearing down. You're setting this place up so people can encounter the presence of God, so people can receive salvation, so people can get some perspective shifts on a Sunday. It, when you're in the action, I just want to encourage you that God has already prepared the provision. So it's all about remaining in the action, taking action with your faith. I was raised in a way where it was show up to church, go back to normal life. 
Yet my family always complained about the same struggles because we never put it into action. And so I am so grateful to God that we're about to do our genius, our, our gift of generosity offering on December the 17th. And um, God has blessed our church this year to adopt eight families and over 21 kids are going to be making their Christmas possible. And as I stated earlier, um, Isaac represents Abraham's everything, his wealth. And uh, for the past six years, even before we got married, Kyra and I have always given our tithe and our offering. The word tithe means tenth. Offering is above and beyond the tithe. But this is interesting because this story is a sacrifice. A sacrifice is what you call an extravagant gift. And I was out this weekend, and there's a lot of people shopping. And I'm just thinking as a pastor that it's not a matter of if we have money. It's where we choose to prioritize it. So every year for six years, Kyra and I have incremental, in incrementally increased our giving to God through the church because that's what he prescribes. Look, money will not be a taboo topic at Highlight Church. One of my favorite pastors, he said this. He said, there are two things that the church is afraid to talk about the most that we love the most. That's sex and money. And it won't be a taboo topic at HL. And so incrementally, every year, we've given to God through the church because that's what he has called us to do. And we normally give at 12%. So we give 10, and then we give 2% offering. This year, we got to pray. Because during December 17th, we're going to stand up here with a check, and we're going to put our offering in the bucket. We're going to give above and beyond our 12%. Because God is calling our, right now as a church people, we are, people have said, you guys are so different around here. We are what you're called. We're in the early adoption phase where we are so different and so out there that people, they come here, they get afraid. They don't know what to do with Highlight Church but we're the future of this city. One day we're gonna have thousands of people, multiple campuses. We're gonna be changing lives. And we're gonna, we're gonna reach this city and serve these people in a greater way. But the sacrifice starts today. And I invite you into that. If you've never given, God has only called you to give at the capacity that you can afford to give to start to pray and prepare your hearts for December 17th. Don't miss church. Because I believe this. I believe that God is going to get your sacrifice either way. But it's just whether or not you choose to give it on your own. Oh, yeah, I'm going in right now. This is Daddy Pastor. And so December 17th, you can give above and beyond, but you don't have to wait. You can start today to give. Because taking action releases God's provision. And what we see with Abraham is that God never intended to take a thing from him, but to give him everything that he had in store for him. Mark 10, Jesus says this. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Jesus said, mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land whatever. <laughs> I love it. He's just running out because we can prioritize so many things over God. And he says, sacrifices because of me and the gospel will lose out. No one who ever gives to the cause of Christ will lose out. They'll get it all back in this life, but multiplied many times. This is Jesus. In homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land. Not without resistance. Satan is going to resist you 
for the next few weeks to see if you're willing to put God first in your finances so that others can receive Jesus and experience true life in Christ. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again, I love it. This is Jesus, the great reversal. And he says this here, many who are first will end up last. And the last will be first. Put baby Jesus first this Christmas. If you've been saved here, your life has been eternally changed. Put him first this Christmas. Every other week, it's time to stop this. The church wants my money. You know what? The church does want your money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jen, I'm looking at you. You got me. The church does want your money because there are lives out there that need to be touched. Take action. You're praying for a husband. You're praying for a healing. I'm not saying you can pay for it, but God is waiting on you to make that sacrifice. And it can be as tangible as your resource. Let's pray. Father, we love you. <laughs> Lord, don't allow us to become comfortable in our points of arrival. You're calling us, Jesus, to sacrifice, Lord. You're calling us to trust you. Calling us to step out on faith. You're calling us to declare and decree the dreams and the visions that you've placed on our hearts as we put you first. And God, I pray blessings over each person in here today. That you would move in their lives, Lord. You know their prayers. You hear their hearts. Lord, I pray that you will answer according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen.